So, Rachel. Yeah? The Enterprise provides transportation to two delegations who are constantly at odds with each other. What do you think you're going to get? Okay, I think it'll challenge us to change our presumptions of who the baddies are. Both parties will be difficult to stomach. Yara will get it wrong about which one to dislike and she'll get angry. Uh But no one will, for the first time, mention her traumatic past. (laughs) Let's hope. (laughs) Troy will be away at crucial moments. Geordie's supervision will come in useful. Hmm? Wesley will be on the bridge, but just observing for a change. Well, that all seems possible, but let's see what actually happens. Hmm. Rachel watches Star Trek. Captain's Log, Stardate 41249.3. We have orbited the two major planets of the Beta Renner system, taking aboard delegates from those two worlds. Since achieving spaceflight, their major life forms, the Anticons and the Sele, have become deadly enemies, but both have also applied for admission into our Federation. We are to deliver these delegates to this sector's neutral conference planet, called Parliament, in the hope their dispute can be resolved. Welcome to Rachel Watches Star Trek. I am Chris Lackey. And I'm Rachel Lackey. You seem very unsure there. <laughs> well, usually you say your name oh. first. Oh, yeah. And then you just pause. So I was like, I guess I'll say my name. I left you hanging there, didn't I? The USS Enterprise is on its way to a planet called Parliament. It has been tasked with taking two groups of representatives of warring planets to this neutral location so that they can work out their differences. The episode begins with Picard, Riker, and Yar all in their dress uniforms waiting on the delegation from Soleil. Those are awkward length dresses, aren't they? They are their dress uniforms, but they are strangely long. Yeah. They're what you hate, aren't they? A dress over trousers. Oh, I hate dress over trousers. <laughs> it drives me crazy. Pick a lane. The Saleans beam aboard and we see that they are reptilian humanoids. Yeah, they're great snake heads. They've done a full head. Mm. Yeah, and apparently they were very heavy, some of them. Yeah, I saw that what they had to do for the main actors is they redid their heads, Michael Westmore. In uh, some lighter foam. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The background guys just got stuck with a really heavy 50 ones. 50-pound heads or whatever. <laughs> I don't know. And they've got these amazing flowing full-length ropes. They look great. They've put a lot of time and money into these. But I've never heard of these aliens. They never appear on the show again. What? Yeah, I know. It's such a bummer. They're totally cool. Yeah, yeah I dig them. What a waste. The Salians are very picky about their accommodations. It seems they hate the Anakins. Mm-hmm. They insist on being downwind of them. What wind? <laughs> Riker says, yeah, we can arrange that. It's just another chance for Star Trek to pat themselves on the back for not being racist. Yeah. After Riker leaves with the Salayans, Yar tells Picard she doesn't have high hopes for either of them being able to get into the Federation, which is what they're both hoping for, I guess. Why is everyone rushing around to provide five-star hotel service and transport to these dirt balls? Hmm. They should be the ones trying to impress and curry favour. Yes. By the way, I looked up that expression curry favour to check if it was racist. Mm -hmm. And it's not. It's about combing a mythical horse called Favelle. What? (laughs) What? (laughs) Curry comes from a French word meaning to prepare. And someone misheard the horse's name as favour in the 16th century and it stuck. Now this is the best thing about this episode in my (laughs) opinion. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so wait, so curry means to prepare. So you're they're prepare gonna... favel. Just brush him, prepare him for you know looking fancy for. <laughs> I don't know a parade. Oh, so if you want people to like you, you've got to prepare the horse. Yep. Wow. <laughs> On the way to Parliament, Data notices that the sensors are picking up some energy object ahead. 
Which is also moving at warp? Yes. Ooh. On the view screen, we see that it is an enormous space cloud flashing with energy pulses. Picard is interested, but wants to get to Parliament soon. So tells Data to do a sensor scan and go around it. I find this odd that there is an energy thing that is moving around at warp speed mm. and they're not like, why is that happening? Maybe there are a lot of phenomena that move around at warp speed, but <laughs> to me, it sounds quite shocking that yeah. there's something that just seems to be warping space-time. It's gotta be a light being. Must be. This is an episode where we have the stupidest crew Absolutely. of the Enterprise ever. Yeah. Yeah. Like Everybody on this episode is an idiot. We go to Worf and LaForge, who are down in sensor maintenance, which is not an area I remember ever seeing again on this show. Oh, no? I think it's just something they do specifically for this episode. Maybe it pops up a couple other times, but... They're just finding their way. Yeah. One thing that I notice in this scene is that Worf's makeup is pretty rough in this first season. Yeah, pretty ashy, isn't it? Inconsistent. The front of his neck is a different color than the back of his neck. Mm. And you can... HD. <laughs> well, yeah, it could be HD. Mm. And you could see the makeup lines, you know, the prosthetics. Yeah. On the close-ups and stuff. It's, it's... usually better than this. It's oh, yeah. Day. And later on in the next few seasons it really improves i guess okay. when he becomes a more important character they really focus on it a lot his makeup's great later on don't know anything about him so far except yeah. for that he didn't like the ferengi <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of characters so yar signals down to them that they're going to be doing a big scan and laforge says hey we're good to go as they pass by this energy cloud it moves a bit closer and the sensor panel kind of lights up and makes a noise. Worf goes to check it out and then zip-ow! he gets zapped by an electrical shock mm. coming off the panel. It's a standing up gurning challenge. Woo. Hope we're going to see more of these. It's very <laughs> It does have that, <laughs> that kind of quality to it for sure. Worf is knocked down and unconscious. LaForge goes over to check on him and calls for help. Don't touch him, Geordie. Shove him with a broom first. Isn't that what you're supposed to do when someone's been electrocuted? Shove it with a broom? What are you talking <laughs> or about? Or do you just shove the electric wire out of their hand with a broom? Uh, well, sometimes, I guess, if they're on something that you can't get off, like if it's a cord, you can't pull away. But if yeah. they're actually physically on something, then... Shove them off the source of the electricity. Yeah. Don't just shove them anyway. I, oh, okay. I guess wood doesn't conduct electricity, so that would probably work. It's definitely a thing. Yeah, just make <laughs> sure that it's not a metal broomstick oh, that you're using. Who that... the heck would have one of those? We do. What? Our little broom has got a metal pole on it. It's plastic. <gasps> the pole's metal. Oh it's my aluminum. Goodness. Anyway. Good job we had this public service announcement. I know. Dr. Crusher comes in and helps Worf, but when he comes to, he starts attacking and thrashing about, so Jordy's got to jump on top of him. This other fellow's grabbing his legs, and they're all going nuts, but... Jordy looks pretty tough in this, doesn't he? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And Crusher is very calm during all of this. Calmly picks up her hypo, puts it on his neck, injects it. She's seen a lot, hasn't she? <laughs> I guess so. Some people are just so cool in a crisis, though, aren't they? That's true. Plus, she's got sedatives on her side. So does Geordie have super strength? Why do you say that? I don't know. Just, I thought Worf was supposed to be super strong. Because hmm. if he's the one to beat, you said he's yeah. the one to show how tough the baddies are. Yeah. I think he's supposed to be tough, like a good fighter and oh, rugged. Rather than super strong. Yeah, I don't know if they're kind of inconsistent with that, or at least they haven't quantified exactly how strong the average Klingon is to the average human. Yeah. I don't know. That's a good question. Maybe our listeners know. Yeah, tell us. They help Worf up and guide him to sick bay. Jordy then goes to Picard and tells him that he thinks he saw something with his visor just before Worf got zapped. And Picard wonders 
Is your visor malfunctioning? <sighs> what? Come on, at least look into it. Not this episode. So we go to Yar and Riker in the Antikin's quarters. We see that they are a dog-like people. And I seem to remember when I watched it when I was a kid, my dad thought of it as maybe they were like a mongoose and the other race is like a cobra. Okay, and the mongoose going around eating their eggs. They fight. Oh, like, do they? Yeah. They're, they're, Isn't that because the mongoose try and eat their eggs? People used them to protect their homes from cobras in yeah. India, I believe. Isn't that Ricky Ticky Tabby? I don't even know what one is. There's it a lot. It looks, oh, like, it looks a bit like a meerkat. Yeah, they look like a meerkat. All right. And they're good at killing cobras, supposedly. Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, so that's why they did it. Maybe. Oh, I don't know. That was my dad's idea back in the day. Yeah, and good call, Steve. I could see that. Riker explains that the Antikins are, are pissed off because their meat was killed before they received it, and they like to kill their meat. And Riker explains that humans no longer enslave animals for food purposes. Yeah. They consume synthetic meat made by their replicators. Yay. High five, Star Trek. <laughs> From two vegetarians, anyway. Gamma. The blog post, where no vegan has gone before, on Red Hot Vegans, <laughs> lists this as one of their favorite moments. Of, of course they do. <laughs> <laughs> they also reference the Genesis planet in the for Spock, which had plant but not animal life generated. Mm. But likely that was so that the animal life didn't rise up and mutate and destroy yeah. everything else, you know. Spock is vegetarian, of course, but he has to eat meat in all our yesterdays until he can get his allotment going. Do you remember? Yeah, I do. You bet. Kirk gets him assorted vegetables in the city on the edge of forever. Mm -hmm. And the crew eat synthetic meat in TOS, except when Charlie X turns it into a real turkey for Thanksgiving. Is magic meat vegan? Yeah, I think it is. Is <laughs> yeah. lab-grown meat vegan? That's what they were wondering here. Is replicated meat vegan? Because originally it would have had to be based on a real piece of meat. But not, not necessarily. They could have just scanned a piece of meat or taken a cell sample from a living animal and replicated it from there. Or worked out the exact combination of proteins that make up a piece of meat or whatever. Oh, right, and then, yeah. yeah. Chemically look at it. We also have misogynistic meat eaters in the Kazinti in the Slaver Weapon. Oh, right. Yeah. Who they are able to fool by A, being women, or B, thinking about a nice juicy cucumber. <laughs> <laughs> so there's quite a uh, anti meat eating thread going through Star Trek, isn't there? Uh, sure is. The Antican leader finds the Federation food choices barbaric? <laughs> Priceless. <laughs> Did you see the haunted diamond-shaped statue in the quarters there? I didn't notice that. It's either haunted or the most regifted in Star Trek. It was in Kirk's apartment in Wrath of Khan. Oh. He must have given it to Yar because she had it in her quarters in the Naked Now. And uh -huh. now it's here. Oh, uh -huh. maybe everyone has one. It might be an OK Google type thing. Yeah, it's just a popular precious moments. In sickbay, Dr. Crusher is examining Worf and she gets zapped. And let's point out, she didn't do any gurning. No, she doesn't. Troy comes to see if Worf is fine, but he's confused. He doesn't remember anything that happened. Troy says, oh, Dr. Crusher will fill you in. She just breezes on out. <laughs> Come on, Troy. You can feel that it's left Worf, but not that it's now in Crusher. Maybe look into that a bit. Report it. Yeah, there's so much not reporting things going on. <laughs> It just keeps going on, so get ready yeah, for it, Yeah, well, that's classic Star Trek. On the bridge, Picard and Data are discussing sticking around and checking out this energy cloud thing, but they must get the delegates to Parliament. Will Wheaton, in his book, Memories of the Future, said, Down in the Crusher quarters, Wesley, in his favourite pumpkin-coloured sweater with sassy forearm-length sleeves, is working on some homework when his mom walks in, acting like she just got off the shuttlecraft from the Burning Man Nebula. <laughs> <laughs> and then she asked him about his homework on dilithium crystals, and it's so pitiful how happy he is that she's taken an interest in his homework. <laughs> 
I mean, I know no one can listen to their genius kid all day long, especially when there's no other parent to absorb some of the pretending to be interested labor. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of that sometimes. Yeah. I mean, how much do you want to know about Tom's tank engine, really? <laughs> Not much. No. But they probably think that I, I'm interested in. Maybe? I don't, know. I don't know. As Wesley explains, Stoner Crusher seems to be interested <laughs> in the theories. That, you know, that's actually funny for a number of reasons that oh. we'll find out later in the oh. series. <laughs> There's a lot of memes about Beverly being a stoner. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Uh, She's interested in the theory's application to navigation. And when he says it has nothing to do with it, she's out of there. Oh, poor kid. Yeah. So Dr. Crusher goes to the bridge and looks over helm control, acting all shady and weird. Mm -hmm. Nobody clocks her on this. Nobody. (laughs) No. Picard wants to know about Worf's condition. Oh, this is the start of him going full Picard. By which I mean demanding important information and that people pull their heads out of their bungholes and get on with their work. (laughs) He's very gruff in this episode, but I totally approve of him actually trying to get stuff done. Yeah. She's super dodgy and says that she needs the computer to look up more about Worf's condition. So she uses Science Station 2 on the bridge. Data sees that she's not actually looking at any medical records, but looking at helm control. Does he mention this to Picard? (laughs) No. (laughs) Blow that whistle, Data. You have to do an inquiry every time there's some kind of (laughs) figure of speech that you don't understand. But this? Oh, golly. Yeah, it just eh, shrugs and keeps going on about his business. So blue lightning energy leaves Dr. Crusher and goes into the ship's computer. She doesn't know how she got on the bridge, and then she doesn't tell anyone. (laughs) She just leaves. Does anyone notice or implement an investigation? Also, where is Troy? Mm. Can't Data be trained? In fact, can't they all be trained to report any weird behavior as soon as they witness it? Yes. Yes. Yes, they can. (laughs) Yes. It makes perfect sense. It's just bad writing. That's all. That's all we're getting here. Because we've had, what is it, 70 years since TOS? Yeah. They've had all of that ridiculousness. So they know this. They should. Data can't get the science station to work, and then engineering goes down. Assistant Chief Engineer Singh says that they're having the same problem down in engineering. So I'm like, ooh, a new guy. Yeah. So he's an Indian guy? Great. I'm disappointed he doesn't have a Scottish surname anyway. (laughs) They should. (laughs) Muxing. So Picard asked Data, what are the odds that they would be having just system failure, that the Enterprises come out of dry dock, you know, just... Uh, less than a year and then Mm. data says that is pretty much impossible for this sort of thing to happen okay so we're establishing (laughs) that this is impossible so what else could it be anyone got any info so in the conference lounge picard Riker, data and singh are discussing the computer issues this is the first of maybe 10 meetings that we'll have to endure in this episode yeah will wheaton said in his book picard calls a meeting in the observation lounge away from all those flashy consoles that might tell them what the hell is going on he asks for some theories or answers but everyone seems more interested in covering their asses than actually pointing out that these electrical failures within these electrical systems may somehow be related to the mysterious cloud filled with electrical energy that the enterprise just passed through yeah that makes sense doesn't it yeah it's insane and the fact that too Worf got zapped right when they're at the electrical cloud yeah. and it doesn't even dawn on them until yes. much later. Come on. And Data still doesn't mention he saw Crusher doing the helm stuff or acting weird. Ugh. What? And do you know who wrote it? DC Fontana. Yes. Well, it was another guy in DC came in and did some stuff to it. Mm, we love excusing her, don't we? Well, He yeah, wrote we... the story. She wrote the teleplay. Yeah, she she should have done better. It was DC Fontana and Michael Hapthorn wrote it. She, you dropped the ball, she DC. She sometimes does. Singh says that there is an electronic short that seems to be jumping systems that aren't connected to each other. Picard demands answers by the time they reach Parliament. Of course, he does this because he doesn't want George Clinton to see the Enterprise in such a state. What? 
George Clinton? <laughs> Parliament Funkadelic? Oh, right. Okay. <laughs> Because that's the full name of the planet that they're going to. Is it? George Clinton, he's the negotiator. Is he? He's going to get them to funk together. And then all that anger is going to melt away. Well, I'll tell you what's happening to my anger. It's bubbling up that I have to watch a lot of meetings when I could be watching George Clinton's Parliament Funkadelic. Funking everyone up. That's outrageous. Shouldn't have told me that. Sorry. Uh, yeah, they didn't. They don't show that. It's just. It's all in the. There's a novel. I think there's a James Blish novel about it. Yar and Riker are having to deal with the Antikins. Seems that they have some laser knives that they were creeping around the Salean part of the ship. Riker confiscates their knives. Violence will not be tolerated on the Enterprise. I wonder what the anti-gun control trekkers think of this one. I don't know. You know, I'm sure there's a wide variety of people that believe in the right to bear arms. Some that are Star Trek fans, some that aren't. Yeah. Some that do believe in some regulation yeah. and others that don't. I mean, yeah. there already are regulations. You can't have rocket launchers. You can't have Yeah, but can't you tanks. have your own weapon for killing food well, on a plane? I suppose mm, the equivalent would be or in a big yeah. hotel. Yeah. Boy, boy, you're some places some- you can complicated stuff there. Yeah, you know. I tried to look it up, couldn't find anything. No. No, it just showed me a lot of different Star Trek guns. <laughs> <laughs> so back on the bridge, warp drive has failed. Picard tries to send a message to Parliament that they will be delayed, but subspace comms is down. Oh no. The senior staff has a talk in the ready room yet again. <laughs> Riker wonders if the delegations might be responsible since they both had contact with the Ferengi, so maybe they're working in cahoots with them. Picard says he sounds like a private eye, which confuses Data. What is this private eye? Well, Data will explain when we're not in a life-threatening emergency. No, we'll explain it fully now. <laughs> Picard tells him about private eyes and Sherlock Holmes, to which Data seems very interested. And the gears start grinding into action for a bit of comic business. Boy, do they. Yeah, this Data Sherlock Holmes stuff it goes on for a long time in this show, and it is not my bag. Oh, no. I'm hopeful that he'll get into his stride with it. Yeah. He does a good performance. I like him. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Something's stinking about it, though. It's, it's the writing. It's the direction. It's everywhere. I don't know. It shouldn't be there. The direction is terrible in this episode. <laughs> the interactions with Dr. Crusher and Wesley are so wooden. And, like, they're reading off cue cards, and it's just terrible. I don't know what's going Because they're good actors. I see them in other stuff, and I love them. So yeah. it's just, obviously, the direction's terrible. Whoever shot it was like, okay, great, print. <laughs> Moving on. Wesley and Singh are working on some of the problems down in engineering, which Wesley solves very quickly. Singh tells Wesley he has to go back to his studies. Nice bit here, I thought. Wesley says he learns better in the thick of it, you know, working actually in engineering. Mm -hmm. And Singh says, I know you do, but Picard's orders are set. So, you know, take it up with him. Yeah. So it's like a natural bit of dialogue. Yeah. I like the Singh guy. I want more of him. (laughs) Well, you're not going to get it. (laughs) (laughs) Boo. They just can't keep a chief engineer around. So Wesley goes back home, finds his mom reading. He tells her more about the Nilithium crystals. And she's like, what are you talking about? And she has no memory of their conversation from before. Is she going to do anything about that? Uh, well, eventually she does. Uh, eventually. Yeah. yeah, true. She's about to get hypnosis. Singh is just doing his work in engineering when he gets zapped. Wow. Yikes. And it throws him off of the council and he is out. If he'd had a Scottish name, he might have survived, but he would have been fired or wherever they've gone since <laughs> yeah, no. between each episode. Well, Worf comes in, finds Singh on the floor, and he's dead. Oh, oh come, come on. on. Why are you killing Singh? He's great. This is the first person to be killed on the Enterprise D. 
Oh my gosh, really? Apparently. They begin investigating Singh's death and the warp engines just come back online, like magic. Wesley says, that's weird, they weren't fixed before, and doesn't think Singh was able to fix them in time. But, you know, oh well, let's not worry <laughs> about that. In sickbay, Troy is doing some hypnosis with Dr. Crusher and Worf to see if she can find their lost memories. Is hypnosis a thing? Oh, you bet it is. I'm not trained in hypnosis. The only technique that I've been trained in that's adjacent is the rewind technique, and that's to try and distance people from memories of trauma or perhaps phobias, mm -hmm. to try and break the connection somewhat between the past experience and what they're going through now. Mm -hmm. And anecdotally, I hear that hypnosis is really effective for some issues like addictions, phobias, breaking associations with things. But in terms of retrieving memories, certainly need extreme caution. Mm. It's hard to separate fantasy from reality under hypnosis, and you could end up with a false memory. Mm. And if that's of trauma, it could be very damaging. Oh, yeah. To the person to then carry that around for the rest of their lives. Or yeah. the repercussions of that on those that they've considered to be involved now in this false memory. Psychologist Brian Thompson on mentalhelp.net said, Memory is actually extremely fallible, as you know. Oh, yeah. Chris, you've talked about that before. Uh -huh. And prone to distortion. Moreover, when we recall something, it's not like pulling a file out of a cabinet as we used to believe. Instead, memory appears to be a reconstructive process. We take bits of remembered information and recreate what happened in our minds. He also says there's no evidence hypnosis helps us recall memories and that if false memories are retrieved, they're more likely to be believed because they'd happened under hypnosis. Mm, yeah. The American Medical Association took a stand warning against the accuracy of memories recovered through hypnosis in 1985. So that was quite recent before this show mm -hmm. was made. The abstract from that goes, the council finds that recollections obtained during hypnosis can involve confabulations and pseudo-memories, and not only fail to be more accurate, but actually appear to be less reliable than non-hypnotic recall. The use of hypnosis with witnesses and victims may have serious consequences for the legal process when testimony is based on material that is elicited from a witness who has been hypnotized for the purposes of refreshing recollection. Mm -hmm. In the 80s and 90s, there was what Dr. Thompson called an epidemic of cases with therapists, often through hypnosis, recovering, in quotes, memories of childhood sexual abuse that never happened. This included reports of satanic ritual abuse. The FBI investigated thousands of reports of abuse reportedly perpetrated by satanic cults and was unable to find any corroborating evidence for it. I saw a documentary about this. It was horrific. Mm -hmm. There was a father whose daughter said that he had like molested her and did all this stuff to her mm. and then uh he was like i don't remember doing it. the poor guy was like i don't oh. remember doing it maybe I, is it possible I if, I, or... if i did it like maybe i was hypnotized or oh, something happened wow. to me like he yeah. he believed his daughter over his own experiences oh, yeah. and memories and all this stuff and finally it came out i, I don't remember there was some kind of I think she said some really extravagant memories, like mm. President of the United States was involved or a mayor or oh. something like, you know, some ridiculous memory was retrieved. And then the, the therapist was like, oh, well, wait a minute. Oh, I it's fantasy or it's, part of it is. Or, yeah, it's yeah. not real. Even though they never found any evidence of it, it is difficult often to prove childhood sexual abuse because nobody's told anyone. Yeah. 
So other than the perpetrator admitting it, it may be impossible to prove. So yeah. that's just the other mm-hmm. side of that. Of I course. Guess. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Back to the show. We have a painful scene of a whole different ilk <laughs> where Data has obviously read all of Sherlock Holmes' stories and is now <laughs> acting like Sherlock Holmes. So the other week he couldn't find a log thing for, you know, showered with clothes on. Yeah. And now he's read suddenly all of Sherlock Holmes. Yeah. Easy. And got himself a pipe from yeah. the replicator. Which And he's smoking, actually literally smoking in the conference room. How is that allowed? One, they don't allow smoking anywhere here in our time. In the future, it's not going to be allowed. But two, Data doesn't breathe. Yeah, obviously he's got some sort of breath mechanism. Oh, to speak, yeah. He deducts that the troubles aren't with the delegates, but with something else. (laughs) Yeah, no. S. Sherlock. Yeah. It's actually appropriate. <laughs> Love the noise he makes when it hits his teeth and his commitment to the part. Why is it not funny? It's not funny. Why, though? Because there's no joke to it. It's like, yeah. it needs to be, okay, he thinks he's Sherlock Holmes, and then you take that somewhere that's yeah. funny. Yeah. It doesn't ever get taken mm-hmm. anywhere. It's just real tenuous. There's a bit of an investigation here, mm. so he's going to act as Sherlock. So in sickbay, the hypnosis is going on with Crusher. Her memories are gone, but she feels another presence in her. And after she comes out, Troy says, well, that's the same thing that Worf said. Mm-hmm. So Troy tells her findings to Picard. Troy talks about the duality. Picard says, why didn't you tell me before that you sensed there was more than one being in her? Mm -hmm. And she said, well, that's because there's always a duality within you humans. And I've kind of learned to zone it out, I guess. And she's talking about the inner monologue, the way people talk to themselves in their own minds. Mm -hmm. One of the most commonly heard phrases I have in therapy is, I don't hear actual voices, but they're always trying to reassure me. Oh, right. And I say, no, I'm with you. We all have these several voices in our minds that say, why did you say that, you idiot? Yeah. You should have said something else. And another one that says, don't be so hard on yourself or whatever. Yeah. 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 On the bridge, Wesley is telling LaForge about how weird it is that the ship was fixing itself when the warp drive cuts out again. Picard touches the console and is zipped. Ah. LaForge sees this and (laughs) says nothing. He says nothing. So Picard is now inhabited by the creature, tells them to change course and go back to the energy cloud. So Riker, Troy, and Crusher, they know something's up with Picard, but they can't take him out of his position without any real proof. I mean, they say, like, you're the doctor. You can take him out if you believe medically he's unable to serve. Yeah. But she goes, well, if I do that and he is okay, then I'm going to get in a lot of trouble. So we can't do that. It's like, <laughs> But if you don't, we all die. What are you talking about? It's ridiculous. And what's Geordie up to? He's probably uniquely positioned to see this energy stuff, isn't he? Well, he, he saw sees it, things in a different way. He sees it transferred. He didn't see it actually inside, but he saw mm. the transfer happen. Yeah. If you see something, say something. Oh, yeah. Come the, on. There's so much of that in this episode. So Crusher and Riker go to Picard and ask him to take a full medical examination. And he says, oh, I will, but not now. And actually, you all need to have medical and psych <laughs> evaluations. So go do that. I quite enjoyed that part of the scene, actually. Gaslighting that he does <laughs> there. Yeah. What would McCoy do in this situation? Oh, McCoy think? would just say, you're out period he wouldn't even kid around he's like it's too much of a risk if we think even that there's a chance that he has been taken over even though there's way more than that it seems completely obvious he's been taken over he'd be hypo in gym no problems no problem everyone is so timid in this episode and afraid to break the rules that it's ridiculous (laughs) for all they know this thing's going to go back there and possess everybody yeah or destroy the ship they don't know 
Anyway, Crusher warily gives Picard the test results, but he's not interested. And finally, he kind of confesses that he is both this life form and Picard merged together, and soon they're going to go home. So the Enterprise arrives at the cloud, and again, we get this. I have an announcement for the entire bridge. As many of you suspected, when our ship passed through the edge of this, it accidentally carried away a sentient being much like these energy patterns we're seeing here. Terrifying experience for any intelligent being, as if a great claw had reached down and scooped one of you from your home world. Drawn into the energy circuits of this vessel, it found its way to you, Worf, frantic at being taken from its home world. And recognizing you were sentient beings, it pleaded for help, but in ways you couldn't understand desperately going from person to person, and then discovering the computer intelligence in this ship's memory circuits. Oh, simplistic intelligence, but it furnished it enough to slow this enterprise thing that had captured it. And it very much regrets the accidental death of Engineer Singh. This is my favorite part of the episode. Maybe Stuart's just really good at delivering these terrible lines, I don't know. But the empathy towards a totally non-human entity is interesting to me. This is the best part of the show, I think. From here on, I'm very interested. And there's some good concepts, which we'll talk about in Mm. concepts. But the entity in Picard talks about how they were made for each other. Mm. It's like Francesca and Harry in Too Hot to Handle. (laughs) They're just made for each other. They were so made for each other, we could never work out what were they supposed to have in common other than they were sexually attracted to each other. But there was a proposal in the reunion episode. Oh my gosh. I'd like to say we recommended the show last episode. Don't bother. It kind of peters out. It does peter out. Yeah. Don't invest your time in that. Picard and the cloud had the same dreams of exploration and Picard can go anywhere he's free of matter if he becomes energy wow the ultimate where no man has gone before mm. he likes traveling i like traveling we're soulmates oh isn't that what people always say yep he likes eating i like eating <laughs> <laughs> the crew pleads with picard not to beam out there but he zaps them all with the blue beams Riker yells for security to stop picard He's not really getting it, is he? No. He's completely in control here. But why is it not possessing them? It's just one creature. Right. So it's not going into them. No, it's just releasing some sort of energy attack on them. Seems like they're changing the rules to me. The entity in Picard runs to the transporter room. An hour of searching passes by. So Picard runs to the transporter room and beams away into the energy cloud. So... What's happening here is Picard is becoming a being of energy with the energy being himself. So he's dead. Picard's technically he's dead. He's merged. He's a new version of himself. He, he's a new thing. Do they need his body? What no, do they need? I don't, they don't need him. He wants to go. He wants to be a part of them. That somehow when they merged, they became this new entity with different goals. This is something to talk about in concepts because I think this is pretty cool stuff. Yikes. After he beams out into the energy cloud, they can't find him. His pattern is out there. It's lost. After an hour of searching passes, Riker sees no option but to ditch Picard and head to Parliament. What is so crucial? They've only waited an hour. The delegates are going to kill each other. Who knows? No, they're not. Actually, they they do kill each other. (laughs) (laughs) So finally, Troy is useful. Yes. She senses Picard. Yay. She's like, I sense his presence, his mind. He's out there and he needs help. He doesn't want to be out there anymore. It seems like the energy being abandoned him. (gasps) They've canceled him or realized they can't breed with him. 
or whatever. Who knows? So Riker is now all up for heading into the cloud to find Picard. Troy's here at the right time. Riker's listening to Troy. It's magic. Yay. Why couldn't the whole episode just be the last 10 minutes of this? <laughs> I would have liked that. This is interesting. So LaForge sees his helm control has a secret message, P. <laughs> Picard, I guess. Picard's physical pattern is stored in the transporter system, and hopefully his energy has headed there, too. And Data can actually combine the two. That's he, convenient. He has. Something we've never used before. Well, there's some precedent for it, but it is sort of breaking the rules. And then there was actually a lot of people got bent out of shape about this when the show aired because they're like, well, if you could do that, then why can't you do this? Yeah, and no one dies then, do they? Yeah, exactly. Although he has to have his energy still be alive. Exactly. Picard is able to get to where he needs to be for Data to merge them together, and then he's beamed back onto the transporter platform. He has no memory of any of this. The last mm. thing he remembers was being on the bridge. So. Oh, so he didn't even get to remember this amazing experience. Well, yeah, that's an interesting idea. Like, what would it be like if he did remember? Ooh, yeah, would that blow his mind? And he was like, wow, I wanted to be with those energy beings, and I still kind of do, but it's impossible. Like, Ooh, I don't know how much of that was him wanting to be well, with them. Exactly. That's that's the interesting idea to it. It's like how much of it is him and how much of it is the creature, and the, trying to figure that out would have been mm. cool, I think. Right as he appears, Yar comes running in and says that one of the Soleil delegates is missing, and the Antikins have asked the chefs to boil some reptile meat. Oh, did they? Yes. <laughs> okay. Uh, and of course, they received letters from complaint from the audience about cannibalism in this episode. Oh, I was wondering why they were saying it was cannibalism. I was actually falling asleep sitting bolt upright by this point. Yeah. And then finally, we end with this. Riker, what with the peace delegates and all, I think I do need a rest. Take charge, number one. <laughs> oh, it's over. Concepts. Everyone acting like idiots as usual. Missing opportunities to resolve it immediately. Interested in Troy and the duality thing. That gets a point. Mm -hmm. Worf was the only one to gurn and then attack until he was sedated. Everyone else was cool as cucumbers. Singh died. Well, he did die. So he was that cool. Bit of inconsistency there with that. Is that the Klingon thing? Is it? Well, yeah, his violent reaction to it. I could be. I yeah. Know. What did the energy want? Well, I think it was accidental and it was trying to get back to the cloud initially. Yeah. And then they said it was like it was plucked from its people yeah. by them. Yeah. They asked, when the ship went into the cloud, it got sucked in somehow into the Enterprise. So but it went close to them at the last minute. Well, maybe it, that was unintentional maybe it was just moving and it just happened to move in the way that the enterprise went it was just to do with the maintenance they were doing that kind of sucked it in somehow could be and then it just wanted to get out it said it wanted to get back home yeah that's what it said it didn't necessarily need to take anyone with it no right it just hooked up with picard and was like oh my god we are soulmates and then picard was like oh my god i love you let's go together back to the thing oh. according to the entity. <laughs> Did it not know that it could just beam itself out? Or? I think it was trying to figure that out. Mm, okay. Singh was quite good, so of course they had to kill him. Oh, man. Kavi Raz was not available for the reshooting of a scene in which Singh is seen in the background. The production staff solved this by simply putting a wig on a chair as a photo double. What? <laughs> That's from Star Trek The Next Generation Companion. Wow. 
The transporter brings Picard back, so it's got this record of him, I mm-hmm. guess. Yeah. Michael Okuda and Rick Sternback both criticised the episode's use of the transporter to restore Picard, arguing that it was an inappropriate use of the technology so early in the series' run. They subsequently rationalised the use here as being due to the unique electromagnetic influences of the Beta Rena cloud. Mm, there you go. Again, from Star Trek The Next Generation Companion. The execution's terrible. But the last 10 minutes, this idea that there's this energy being that merges with Picard, they find some kind of relationship with one another in his body. Like Mm. Picard's mind and his energies, and they form this new entity, and Picard is into the idea of becoming a purely energy being, Mm -hmm. and then uh, going in the cloud and not working out. That stuff's cool. That doesn't happen until the last 10 minutes of the yeah. show. <laughs> I would love if it got rewritten or there's a way to explore that, the idea of who you are, what makes you you. I mean, that's some transhumanism stuff uh-huh. that, that I find really fascinating. Really? But they don't really explore it too deeply. It's only surface. So I would normally give it a, mm, I'm going to give it a six. Oh, okay. I found it really hard to extricate the concepts from the boredom of the episode. Sure. And I didn't find it clear. Mm, I can't give it any higher than five out of ten. Okay. Mm. Entertainment. <laughs> it's the first bottle show of Next Gen. Oh, yeah. So slow. The so whole slow. episode was a series of meetings. Yeah, and Riker telling aliens off in corridors and then more meetings. Even Sherlock Holmes wasn't entertaining somehow. Mm. I get the sense that Spiner couldn't have performed it any better. It's the writing. They didn't give him anything to do. Yeah. They just said, like, talk like Sherlock Holmes and then just say all the stuff you would normally say. Oh, right. (laughs) If you liked this one, director Cliff Ball has 24 more for you. (laughs) He said, there are some better written shows, obviously. Yeah. (laughs) That's from the official Star Trek The Next Gen magazine. Mm fabulous makeup and different sounding voices on the aliens they were designed in concept drawings by illustrator andrew probert really enjoyed the look of them we didn't get to see them that much yeah i thought they were really cool cool. yeah Yeah. and they were stiff masks but they still were able to have some movement when Mm -hmm. they talked real shame that they're not coming back or they made such poor use of them It seemed irrelevant that they were there. This is a quote. Michael Halperin's original story was broadly similar to the finished episode, but it had a different subplot involving the dilithium on the ship breaking down. DC Fontana replaced this subplot with the crew ferrying diplomats, inspired by Journey to Babel, which Mm. she also had written. That's also from Star Trek The Next Generation Companion. In Halperin's story, Picard used the slingshot effect to return the Beta Rena cloud to its home, which I think sounds quite cool. Yeah. Maybe Why to have they... helped it at the end yeah. using some technology. The slingshot. That'd take it back in time, wouldn't it's it? It's back in time, yeah. Or forward. Will Wheaton recalled during filming DC was part of a panel at a convention in 87 called Solving the Wesley Problem. <sighs> Already? Then? Wow. It's cheeky, isn't it? Yeah. They're only, what, six episodes in? He said, Patrick Stewart phoned me from the con and told me that he'd heard some of the panel and it was mostly personal attacks on me. Oh my God. Broken up by occasional lamenting of the fact that there was a damn kid on the Enterprise in the first place. Oh, thanks a lot, Patrick. But actually, Patrick encouraged me to come to the convention, he says, which was just a few miles from my home, and speak on my own behalf, which I did with some success. Oh, nice. So he was trying to empower him to get his voice heard in that. Yeah. But he said it really hurt him at oh 15 God. years old. And he blames the writing and gives it a D plus yeah. overall. I checked how long the episode was five times. You That's did. a new record. Yep, yep. And I'll give it three out of ten. Ooh, generous. <laughs> I give it two out of ten. It <laughs> yeah, was a stinker. It was bad. Uh, sexiness. Oh, God, would I love to show you. 
Sexiness. Ah, nothing to say about that, really. Nothing. 2.5. 2.5. My guesses were completely wrong, except, yes, we did get a break from talking about Yaz history. I'm trying to spare everybody from the references since yes. we're having a break this week from that. Yay, <laughs> that's great. Well, listeners, thank you so much for joining us once again. We have lots of fun doing this show. Not necessarily fun watching an episode of Star Trek. <laughs> this one was rough. This oh, is yeah, a bad yeah. one. They do get better. I keep mm-hmm. telling you, Rachel, I could see glimmers every once in a while of like the things that I love about it, but boy, it's, it's rough at this point. Oh man, oh man, oh man. At least there's the interest for me of learning about the new characters and the yeah. whole world of it but yeah. i'd like to welcome to the crew a new ensign peter mellet oh peter welcome thank you peter and also ensign jake wilson welcome ensign wilson welcome and thank you and anne edison albright has promoted herself from ensign to lieutenant thank you anne congratulations on your promotion that's right <laughs> and if we ever forget to thank you new patrons please tell us it's never intended we want everybody to be the personally thanks so yeah let us know and with that i'm chris lackey and i'm rachel lucky and you're listening to rachel watches star trek well the only chains we can stand are the chains of hand in hand keep your eyes on the pride hold on on the freedom power wouldn't take nothing for my journey now keeping your eyes on the prize hold on hold on hold on keep your eyes on the prize hold on hold on hold on Rachel watches Star Trek.